Hey everybody! Before we get started today, Al and I wanted to tell you about some exciting things happening here at our network, Word Salad Productions. We at Word Salad are now on Patreon at patreon.com slash wordsalad, and we've got big stuff in the works over there. By supporting our network, you'll get regular access to patron-exclusive content from CadaverCast and our sister podcasts, quote-unquote guilty, the countdown movies and TV reviews, and dealing with Philip. And you'll also, as a Word Salad patron, be entered to win various raffles and giveaways. Anything you donate will, of course, go toward keeping the Word Salad content coming, as it does cost real-life money to keep podcasts going. And as always, at CadaverCast, we pledge that any money our podcast brings in over basic upkeep will go into a college fund for Alistair. What do you think about that, Al? Very good. What's more, if you head on over to patreon.com slash wordsalad and contribute during the month of October, you'll be entered to win our October raffle. And Al, why don't you tell our listeners what they'll be entered to win? A Batman statue. A Batman statue, that's right. It's a Batman Q-Fig statuette. Alistair has one himself that he keeps above his bed. And how cool is it, Al? So much cool. You heard it here. It's so much cool. You definitely want to be entered to win this. It's a tiny Batman on top of a walk that looks like a bird. Yeah, that sounds like so much cool to me. Yeah, it does to me too. And if you want to see how cool it is, you can hop on over to the Word Salad Twitter page at Word Salad Pro on Twitter, and we have a picture of it up there. So... Head on over to patreon.com slash wordsalad today and become a patron of Word Salad Productions to not only gain access to exclusive content and potentially win cool things, but also help out this little guy. His name is Al Bona. That's right. And once again, head on over to patreon.com slash wordsalad if you want to help us out. That's right. Thanks. And I'm his dad, Jeff Burnham. On this episode, we're talking about another film from 1958. That's right, on the last episode, we talked about two films from 1958, and here we are, at it again, another film from 1958. Did you know that? This is from 1958, just like the last two? Yeah, just like The Blob and Fiend Without a Face. This was released the same year. The same day? Not the same day, the same year. Um, but they are all from 1958, so... Um, I think they're probably all from the same day. I think. <laughs> we can look that up. Yes. The podcast is still going. The monster was really good because I like when the monster, you could still hear the monster, but the guy couldn't. Please help me. 
<laughs> I'm saying it like that. Please help me. Because it wanted to get helped. It got helped by getting dead. <laughs> <laughs> it sure did. Because <laughs> guy got the thing and then smashed the spider and the fly at the same time. <laughs> In usual Cadavercast fashion, we are, of course, jumping straight to the end of the movie. Thank you, Alistair. We could start at the beginning, you goof. Okay. Can we talk about the fly for a little minute? This whole episode is about the fly, you goofball. The Fly 1958. Now, keep in mind, parents, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, The Fly, that's a kid-friendly movie. We are talking about the 1958 movie and not the 1986 David Cronenberg remake of The Fly, which is most certainly not a kid's movie. You should probably wait a, a little bit with that one. Okay, I got the information for you about the release dates of these movies. Yes. The first one to come out was Fiend Without a Face. The second of the movies to come out was The Fly. They came out in consecutive months because Fiend Without a Face came out in July 1958. Yes. The Fly came out in August 1958. And The Blob came out in September. Mm, okay. So we're well on our way talking about The Fly. We've already talked about the ending a little bit. Let's go back to the beginning, though, huh? Do you want to tell our audience what The Fly is about? The Fly... The fly is a fly that has a white head and a crazy arm. Mm-hmm. Sure, and that's the fly. Yeah. That's the, the little fly, of course. Little fly. But why does it look like that? You mean with the white head and the white leg? Yeah. We found out, remember? Well, why don't you talk... You'll figure it out, I think, if you talk a little bit about the scientist. Yeah. The scientist who's at the center of this story, Andre. What was Andre working on? One time he was trying to, like, teleport himself, but he didn't know the fly was in here. Then it got mixed up. What did? The fly's organs and his organs. Yeah, yeah. two things got mixed up. Yeah, their atoms got all mixed up. And so, what happened to him? He got the fly hand and the fly head. Yeah. And the fly got the human head and the human hand. Yeah, they got all mixed up. And what's cool about the story is this is actually presented, like Al's telling you very directly exactly what happens, but the story in the movie's a mystery. How long did it take us to find out what was going on with that weird fly? Oh, uh, super, super long. Was but was it exciting waiting? Yeah. Mysteries take super long. Well, and it's exciting because the movie opens with a death. I mean, we're curious from the beginning what's going on. Yeah, the music is great. Yeah, the music is great. The music really helps the mystery. Yeah. It's really suspenseful. I agree. It's like the, like the film pixel of the movie is like very, it looks scary as the whole music. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, so the visuals of the movie match the... The music in terms of sort of the ominous aesthetic. The aesthetic being the way that it looks. And so it looks ominous and it sounds ominous. Yeah. So it looks scary and the music sounds scary. Yeah, this one did have some some spooky moments for sure. Yeah, that's how it actually opened. 
with some spooky music. Yeah, that's how it actually started. Yeah, and a, and a death. So, listeners, the quick content warning there. There is some blood in the beginning of the movie, quite a bit of blood, because the movie opens with somebody having been smashed by a metal press. Yeah. Whoa. But he's still alive. Well, no, he's dead, but we're actually, the story goes back and it tells us about how he came to be dead. Oh, how he came to be dead. Yes. It really is at the end when he gets killed. Yes, exactly, exactly. So in, in, the, in terms of the story, like, once we go back and start finding out about Andre and the mystery of the fly. Yeah. It's actually sewing. How? Exactly. You that. got it. And let's let's go back and talk about his invention, though. I think that's an important thing to Ooh, talk about. That's a his good teleporter. Thing. Yeah. I got a very weird question. It's when, like, the cat in the milk goes, and then the cat doesn't come back. Yeah, this this machine he calls a disintegrator integrator, which I pronounced very oddly there. But uh, (laughs) the way he explains it, it's actually pretty funny because the way that he explains the disintegrator integrator is the same way that Willy Wonka ends up explaining Wonka vision in the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory movie with Gene Wilder. He explains it basically the exact same uh, way. He's using television. It's really funny. How does it say? Well, he explains it like using television as the the metaphor to help his wife understand the invention, saying that just like a television camera films something and then it gets sent as electrical impulses through the airwaves onto your television, in the exact same way, matter is broken down by his disintegrator reintegrator or disintegrator integrator and is then sent through the air and then reintegrated into another teleporter, which is not the exact same thing. That's how he explains it, as though it is the exact same thing, but it's not. That's very different. Matter teleportation and the projection of images over space. What if the cat, when it teleported into where the, where like the humans teleported, and the milk teleported to the little one? What if it teleported like that? You mean if they teleported to different places? Yeah. To different things. That be Well, I mean, he couldn't even teleport that cat anywhere. That's one of the craziest parts of the movie, because he takes their house cat, and he tries to teleport it. But what happens to it? It doesn't put the atoms back together. Yeah, it splits the atoms apart, and then it doesn't bring them back. It doesn't reintegrate. But you can still hear the meow. I know, and he's like looking up at the sky, and you hear this crazy, ghostly meow. Ooh, spooky meow. stuff. Yeah, let me hear your ghost cat. Meow. Oh, I'm spooked. Meow. <laughs> so yeah, he he creates this disintegrator integrator teleportation machine but like al said a fly lands in it when he tries to teleport himself and then the fly stuff comes and it mixes the atoms off and then it puts the atoms wrong yeah mixes up all their atoms and gets it all wrong yeah there's two problems with the the cat doesn't come back and the father gets his fly parts that's, yeah, those are big problems. Big but it's, problems. it's flawed from the start because we see him try to teleport basically an ashtray and 
The letters come out backwards, so it's wonky right from the start. Then he has to figure out what gives little too much problems. Yeah, there's a few too many problems. Absolutely. Because yeah, he tries to tell about himself and the cat, but the cat doesn't come back, and the arms get mixed up. And that's something you'd think he would have tested out. I don't know. I mean, we don't really see him doing these experiments, but. You'd think one of the things he would test before he put a person in it was whether or not you could actually teleport two creatures. Because then you'd want to be extra careful not to get bugs and stuff in there. If you try to teleport a guinea pig and like a cat or whatever, you know, if he takes like a rat and a guinea pig and he gets a guinea pig rat mixed together, then maybe he doesn't try to teleport living creatures again or something, right? But instead, he just tries it on himself without having tested all of the variables. That seems pretty silly. And he. Tried to teleport a thing with a wand, and it comes out very good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, he can get.、Uh, he got the wine that teleported just fine, or the champagne. And the milk, but the cat no. Yeah, the milk worked, but the cat didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's what's interesting about this particular version of the fly, which is, by the way, adapted from a short story that I read way back in eighth grade English class in Mike Fountain's class, and、uh, I don't, I don't remember it. Frankly, at all, but、uh, this film was adapted from that story, and then there was another version of the story adapted to film, as I said, by David Cronenberg. And in Cronenberg's version, we actually are given some pretty good reasons why he teleports himself without having tested all of the variables. But we don't know this with Andre; he doesn't seem like the sort to just randomly teleport himself. We, He's pretty scientific in his approach. We, we didn't see the first one when he got the fly in it. Exactly. We don't see him teleport with the fly. We don't see when the fly comes in and he's teleporting. We only see when the girl tells him to teleport. His wife. His wife tells him. His to wife,、teleport. Helene. Yeah, but it doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. And one of the reasons I wanted to show you this movie, Alistair, is because we watch a lot of monster movies, and you said, I don't remember if you said it in the last episode we recorded or if. You just told me this personally, but either way, I remember you telling me in every monster movie, the monster has to be killed. Yeah. Yeah. In every one. In every one. But the interesting thing about the fly is we don't really want to see the monster get killed, do we? But it actually does get killed. It does, but is、okay. this a monster that needs to be killed? In the end, yeah. Yeah, because it turns a guy into fly parts. But what if he could get the fly and get their parts right? Yeah, what if he teleports himself and the fly again? Then maybe we'll work on that. Yeah, and so the interesting thing about this movie is our monster is actually also a good guy. Why? Because Andre, the scientist, with his fly parts. He's also a good guy, and, and he's, he's still good. Yeah, and he's trying to get himself fixed. But he doesn't. Yeah, that's interesting, huh? But he still is nice. He still makes himself nice. Because he doesn't want to be an evil fly monster, you know. And he's losing. He's losing control of himself to the fly. And so he decided to destroy himself. Exactly. That's sad, right? Because because he couldn't change himself. Yeah, he tried. He tried to fix himself. But he has stories. He was so nice. He was very nice. Yeah, it's a sad story. It really is. That story has to end. 
At the, well, the whole time. I mean, as we're learning about this whole mystery of the fly and we realize that he's just a guy trying to create something that, you know, he just made one mistake. Two mistakes, actually, because the cat doesn't come back. Okay. Oh, well, okay, the cat too. Yes, the cat was also a mistake. But he makes one big mistake that gets him killed. Did he decide to himself to get killed? A big, 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 big mistake. It's an interesting story from a monster movie perspective because, like you say, sometimes the monster does have to die, right? I mean, it does sometimes. But other times, maybe it's not so clear-cut. Well, sometimes the monster just has to not get dead, just has to get it not moving. Like freeze it? Yeah. Oh, like in the blob? Or or (laughs) do other stuff to it. Sure, sure, sure. Or another monster moves, I don't know. Or like, or to distract. Or I got a better idea to get the blob. Let's hear it. Oh, we're going back to the blob? Oh, I just got one... More okay, go back to the blob. How are we gonna How are we gonna get rid of the blob? At the end, then we can keep going with our movie. I think how to get is we said like put the blob and then put little puppet people so the, so the blob goes after the people. And then, oh, that's interesting. And then then it's like electronic people. Then it eats the electronic. Then it can't eat it. Then spits the electronic out, then they froze it when it spits. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, in the end of the blob, of course, they, and, and sorry, blob spoilers if you haven't listened to that episode, at the end of the blob, it, they actually only are able to catch it because it's trying to eat real people, but maybe they could have tried to get it to eat fake people. That's or a good they, idea. Or they tried to distract it. Tried to distract it, yeah. Yeah, distract it. I'm saying that because... He doesn't know that they're real people. Yeah, and he that's doesn't know they're electronic. Yeah. And it's big as people. Then they run okay. away. <laughs> they're, they're, oh, oh. The, you the said they are as big as people. Yes. Big as people. <laughs> and then it goes after I the people. you were saying a bad word. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, our monster isn't necessarily the bad guy in this one. The bad guy, there isn't actually a bad guy. The fly is not even a bad guy. No, who's the bad guy in this? Huh? Nobody. Nobody. It's just a it's just an accident. A fly? The fly is not even a monster or a bad guy. Mm. It's nothing. It's just a fly. Well, in But it's probably like a a monster fly, I guess. Well, no. I mean cuz the the other fly, the tiny one, has his head and arm on it, yeah. right? And that's not a bad guy either. It's just bad luck that he got in this position. So it's not like we have a monster like in the blob that needs to be destroyed. And the fly does not win a monster. Well, I mean, there's a monster. There's a guy with a fly head. That's monstrous, huh? It looks like a monster, but the guy's just, an, he's just a regular guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, remember too, and maybe we'll do this on another episode down the road. Yeah. Remember your reaction to the end of Empire of the Ants? Yeah. And the ants... They're giant ants. Giant ants, yeah. But they're just ants. And they're not necessarily bad ants. They're just ants. They're just doing what ants do. They just got turned giant through no fault of their own. So this is similar to that, which is why I wanted you to watch the fly. And at the end, we see, like, the cows and the people drinking. Well, (laughs) hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh no no no! Oh, you're you're getting them mixed up. You're actually getting the movies mixed up. Um, you're thinking about uh the end of Food of the Gods. Yeah. 
So, let's go back to the fly. Let's go back. We talked a little bit about the plot. The fly's in the middle of that. Yeah, the fly is in the middle of the plot. Exactly. And okay, well, that's a good thing to bring up because we don't just follow Andre and his wife, Helene, as they are involved in this whole fly business. We actually have another main character who really doesn't play a major role in the mystery of the fly. It's him trying to figure out what's happening in the fly. Do you remember who plays that character? What famous horror movie actor is in this movie? Vincent Price. There you go, Vincent Price, exactly. He was not in the argument. Yeah, he was just trying to find out what happened to his brother. Vincent Price plays Francois, who's Andre's brother. And we start off the movie with Francois trying to find out what happened to his brother. And this is a very famous Vincent Price movie. When people talk about Vincent Price, one of the movies that inevitably comes up is The Fly, which is interesting because he doesn't play the guy turned into the fly. I forgot this question. It's when the girl takes off his hood. Oh, yeah, then, yeah. We'll talk about gets, that. We'll talk about that. Then get very scared. So, what did you think of Vincent Price in this movie? He was a very good character. He was just trying to find his brother. Yeah, and it's very convincing. I agree, because he plays worried very well, you know. And we've seen him in a lot of movies. You know, a lot of movies we've seen him in, um, he is the bad guy. He's but in, in this movie, he's not. Yeah, I mean, remember he was also, well, I guess he wasn't a bad guy in it, but he was in um, The Invisible Man Returns, the second Invisible Man yeah. movie, remember? In which he's not a bad guy, he's just invisible. Yeah, he's a monster. Yeah, he's the monster. He played him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In one of the movies, he was the bad guy. Oh, in a lot of movies, Vincent Price is the bad guy. You haven't seen one a ton time, of them, but one yeah. time, One time he got killed underwater. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Um, uh, War Gods of the Deep. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. That's a good one, too. That's yeah. a really good one, too. We watch a lot of Vincent Price movies but because uh, I'm an enormous fan. One of my two favorite actors. I think we've not watched a lot of Vincent Price movies. Um, You may not have seen too many. I've seen a lot, but we'll uh, fix that this October. Yeah. We'll work on that. I haven't seen a lot. I've only seen a tiny, tiny bit. That's all I've seen. You saw Last Man on Earth, right? Did you see that one where they're like the zombie vampires? I think I have. I think you have too. We'll watch that this October for sure. Because I don't know if I have one. Yeah, we'll make sure that happens. Zombie vampires? Yeah. I don't remember them. Oh, we'll get to it. Let's keep talking about the fly, though. We're getting sidetracked, boy. Holy cow, it's crazy. We can't stay on topic here. (laughs) I think... um, that one we should watch on all, we should do the, the vampire zombies on this podcast we're doing. We should do that on the podcast. Ooh, maybe. Be Stay tuned, day. listeners. Can we go on to the fly now? <laughs> I know, we can't stay on track. <laughs> Just can't stay on track. Well, one one last thing I want to say about Vincent Price's character, Francois, is he does have a great line at the end of the movie. Why? I I think this line is really important, and I want to to make sure this line gets through to you, because I do think it's an important lesson to take away. So pay attention to this closely. He says at the end of the movie, The search for the truth is the most important work in the world, and the most dangerous. Do you know what he means by that? Oh. You want to take a guess? Um, 
because the work is dangerous. The work was the work was dangerous, but the work was about trying to find the truth. Okay, and that's something that I want you to keep in mind that you always want to look for the truth. Always. That was that's always what I was trying to do. Yeah. But I mean you. I'm not just talking about in the movie. I'm talking to you, Alistair. Because a lot of people will believe something that they have no reason to believe or something that maybe they've always assumed to be right, but they have no reason to believe it. People, even when they're presented with reasons why they are wrong, people won't admit it. And, you know, we talked about this the other day, how if you're wrong, you always want to own up to that. If you make a mistake, if you do something wrong, you always want to own up to that because it's the only way you get to grow as a person. That's right. Mm -hmm. people, people have to always be willing to grow. Always be willing to learn. Always be willing to find the truth. And we should always want to know what the truth is. And that's one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast. You know? So we can get to the bottom of these things. Have these good discussions. The truth? You're just inventing stuff. I'm teleporting stuff. And looking for truth. That's all that what I was trying to do. Mm -hmm. And what kind of truths do you look for? All the truths I'm looking for is just regular truths. What kind of regular truths? What constitutes a regular truth? I don't believe somebody, and they say something to me, they just show me where it is. That's the truth I'm looking for. Oh, you always want evidence for things. Okay. If I don't believe them, and they say something to me, I'll tell them where is it, and then they will show me. Just like what happens in the movie. Yeah. Which leads to one of the things that I think you liked a lot in the movie. Yeah. With the little boy. In the end of the movie, what does he show them? He shows them the, the little bug. Mm -hmm. What little bug? The fly. The one with the human head. And the human arm. Mm-hmm. And then the guy destroys it. Yeah, at the end of the movie. Woohoo. That is some unsettlingly he, he spooky just, stuff. He just... He just destroys this, both of them because I think the spider gets it there because he gets squashed by the Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. Ooh, boy. And we'll talk about that when we get spooked. I'm That's sure. really spooky. That is spooky. But before we get spooked. The beastly best. Let's talk about the beastly best and the fly. I think it's when they're trying to catch the fly. The boy's trying to catch it, but then he can't catch it. Because he doesn't see it. It just flies. That's what I think is the beastly best. Because they don't know which fly is that fly. Oh, the, its ability to blend in. So you when, think that's the they, coolest monster moment when they're yeah. trying to catch it? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because I would have guessed you'd say something like, I don't know, when the, the scientist with the fly head is smashing up his equipment or something like that. But yeah, I mean, that's that's interesting stuff too. So why do you think specifically that's the coolest? Because I like the monster a lot. Because there's so many flies, they don't know which one's the monster. Yeah, it, it makes it kind of a realistic in a way, you know, because we can understand the difficulty the characters are having. I think it, when, when the fly comes in, the guy thinks it's just a regular fly. Oh, into the lab? Yeah, when, when it goes into Oh, the, into, into Francois's house. He thinks yeah. it's just a regular fly. Yeah, because it's in his house at one point, definitely. He thinks it's just a regular fly. Ooh, that is tricky. Like, that makes it like, really tricky. Because cause we saw a regular fly on the good lamp. Yeah. So 
So he thinks it's just a regular one, just like the one on the lamp. Yeah, absolutely. That is tricky. My beastly best is probably the moment when we see from the eyes of the fly. I think that's such a cool shot. And you actually noted that too. You said that was really cool. The fly head? When we see his wife, Helene, through his eyes. Yeah. How many of her is there? <laughs> we see it screaming a lot because we see the eyesight yeah. of him. It's a it's a we silly concept because we, of course in we a, see it multiple times but not many. Times. Yeah, and and a fly probably does not see a thousand of the same thing at once, right? It's got a lot of eyes, but that probably just helps it see in sort of a more spherical way. So you it know? can see like a bunch of so things. So it can at see all time. around it, but it yeah. probably doesn't see the same thing a hundred times. But that yeah. is such a classic moment, and make no mistake, this movie is a classic. It's iconic. Flies have itty bitty square parts on one big giant eye part. Should I look it up? Yeah. How many? So basically, yeah, I mean, a fly has two eyes, but as we are reading here, those eyes are really complex because it has a multitude of lenses on the eyes. It has like giant eyes with little eyes in the middle. Hey, yeah. Yeah. Do you know what time it is? To get spooked. Time to get spooked. Yeah, let's talk about the spookiest moments in The Fly, man. Oh, you are eager. You're eager to go first, huh? Lay it on me. What do you think the spookiest scenes in The Fly are? I think it's when we see all of the body parts of the fly on the guy. I was thinking (laughs) you'd probably say that because you covered your eyes when both were revealed. Yeah, you did. You covered your eyes and you were like peeking through your fingers. Classic move, I have to say. And I think that's in no small part thanks to the excellent music, as you pointed out, the really spooky music, but also Patricia Owens, who plays Helene. We have to give her serious credit for her scream. That is a great horror movie scream. She really elevates that moment. I think we just see the pencil. The first time we just see the pincer hand, the fly pincer hand, right? And even then you covered your eyes. That's a sign of a really good spooky moment. Yeah. Absolutely. Then when she goes out, we hear the snap, snap, snap. Yeah. And then the second time she pulls the hood off of him after he comes out of the teleporter, she says, like, teleport yourself again. Maybe it'll fix you. And he's got a fly head. Whoa, that reveal is pretty great. And I mean, it looks like a fly mask. Don't get me wrong. It's not like a realistic thing at all. But that moment is sold by the the music and the cinematography, Patricia Owen screaming, and then the shot through the fly eyes. It all comes together beautifully. I think they put a fly puppet hand on him. But how did they make the noise? If you want some kind of weird noise for your movie. Snap. Yeah, like a snap or something, you have to record that afterwards. You do what's called Foley sound. And you want to know something? I've had to do that before. I've done that stuff before. Uh, On a zombie movie, actually. Have you been in a zombie movie before? I wasn't in one. I worked on the Foley sound on a short film called Confederate Zombie Massacre, which was directed by Davy Snively, who I've not spoken to in many, many years. 
but my friends Jared and Gary and I did Foley sound for Confederate Zombie Massacre, including the sounds for scenes like where zombies are all walking along and moaning, so we're like doing the zombie sounds like... And then we're doing like zombies eating guts and stuff. And the way we do that is you don't have people actually eat guts because that's gross. But you get sounds that sound like it. So we weren't eating guts. We were actually like, do you want to try it? (laughs) See, there you go. There's some good gut eating sounds. Well, what we would do, what we did for this movie in particular anyway, is we had a bunch of different foods and we would put it in our mouth and chomp it really gross right next to the microphone. We had like jello, we had watermelon and stuff, you know, we needed sounds of like somebody getting hit in the head. So we like hit a watermelon. So that's Foley sound. Foley sound is where you do something and you get the audio for it so that it sounds like something else. Like if you want to make the sound of somebody's arm breaking in a movie, you don't break somebody's arm. What you do is in your movie, you have somebody pretend like they're snapping somebody's arm and then you get the sound of somebody taking celery and you snap that whole thing of celery and the snap sounds like a snapping bone. So we might not know what a giant fly hand would sound like but you could get something that would sound kind of like it. Do you want to try something out for the podcast? Yes, 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 Why don't you go find two things that you might be able to click together to make the sound of a fly hand, and let's try it. So Alistair has found a couple things that he's going to try to click together to make the sound of a giant fly pincer clacking. Nope, doesn't work. No, you don't think so? Let's try one more time. Let's try a different okay. one. What Al was trying there was a couple of paddles with Velcro on them, and that's what he was trying. Ah, good idea. Bring those over here, Al. Try those. He be so loud. It sounds like it. Sounds good? Yeah, I think it does. Sound yeah, I think if we did a bit of tinkering with that sound in post... You'd have yourself some giant fly pincers. And why don't you tell our listeners what you were clacking together there? This is a human-making machine top. (laughs) It makes little people. It's like a creature creation machine. You make, like, little creatures or whatever in it. But, yeah, human-making machine. Yeah. And this is a gun that shows sparks. Yeah, and then a spark-shooting gun that you'd get from, like, a dollar store or a Walgreens or whatever. So you can use just about anything. That, I think, works. That works. Yeah, so when you make a movie and you want some weird sound that doesn't exist because you have monsters or something in your movie, you got to find a way to make it up. And then you just add it onto the movie when you're editing the movie. Cool, huh? So let's move on with the rest of Get Spooked. I have to say the spookiest moments for me in the movie are, first off, when the cat disappears... And we hear the cat, like, meowing as it's floating around all disintegrated. That's crazy. I was just staring at the TV. Yeah, trying to figure out where the cat was. But the guy couldn't see the cat either. No, it was gone. Totally disintegrated. That's pretty unsettling. So my other spookiest scene in the movie, and I know a lot of people are hard on this because, I don't know, you can tell it's fake, you can see the effects, you can tell the spider's just a plastic spider and the web's not a real web, yada, yada, yada. I've heard it all before. People talk about how goofy the ending is, but I think those final scenes 
with the fly with the human head being eaten by the spider i think that's horrifying like that really is unsettling to me can you imagine how scary that would be to be trapped on a fly body and a spider trying to eat you i don't know how they got the spider to move ah well they have what appears to be some kind of puppet kind of a thing going on there at the end when they show the close-ups of it moving towards him it looks kind of like a puppet i couldn't see it moving well at first it wasn't when we first see it it wasn't moving at all because it was just on the web stationary it wasn't moving that's right i don't i don't know the the fly talking it just really is so unsettling to me when it's crying out for help and it still is clearly possessing some kind of human consciousness and and i can't help but wonder right because andre with the fly head was slowly becoming more and more fly-like in his thought processes and i can't help but wonder if the fly with the human head was slowly becoming more and more human in its thought processes which makes it so much scarier in the end i think it was a fly brain and his brain connected together and the fly brain was was more heavier and then it was crossing the other brain. Well, yeah, the consciousness was taking over is what you're trying to explain. It was explain. taking yeah. over the other brain. Yeah, exactly. And that's what was happening to Andre and why he ended up killing himself. He wanted to get Yeah, because he didn't want to be a fly man. No. no. He was a very good character in the movie. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, you believe that struggle. I mean, going from being such a an eloquent, intelligent man to being suddenly unable to speak, unable to think even like a person, right? That's that's some unsettling stuff. I think like those little things that go up and down, I think those made me scared. What things? Like on his face? Yeah. Oh, yeah, like his little uh, fly mouth. Yeah. That's why it made me cover my eyes. Mm, it's spooky stuff. Well, we didn't talk about this before, but would you recommend this movie to people? Yes. Yeah? Who would you recommend it to? Everybody, I think. Yeah? Why's that? Why do you think people should watch it? I think it's when the girl takes off the hood. is the best part of the movie. Yeah, so you would say the monster reveal is a great reason to watch this the movie? The whole monster reveal. Yeah? That's the whole thing. First we see a panther, then we see the hood. I wouldn't disagree. I think that the reveal of the monster is incredibly strong. Absolutely. Anything else you want to say about the fly? Anything else you want to talk about? I have little monster minutia because I think it's Ooh, little. okay. Okay, well, we don't always do monstrous minutia. We talk about monstrous minutia whenever we find weird little things we want to bring up. I, did. I didn't really see anything in the fly myself, but I'm glad you did. So let's talk monstrous minutia. What weird little stuff did you spot? I think a weird little thing is when the cat goes gone. That's a weird thing. Sure, that's pretty weird, absolutely. Well, another weird thing, <laughs> when... <laughs> I'm laughing thinking about it. Because, okay, in the end of the movie, we see the fly with the human head and the human arm, right? Yes. What does the fly look like with the human head and human arm before the end of the movie? Do you remember? No. We see it a couple times, and we don't see it in close-up until the very end of the movie. But all throughout the rest of the movie, they keep talking about this fly that has a weird white head and a weird white leg. And all they did was take a regular fly and paint its head white. They just put paint on the top of this fly's head. 
So I think how they made the fly is they put like a little fly, then they painted part of it white. Yeah, they just painted the top of its head, and it's like a—it's not even its full head that's white, because obviously it wouldn't be able to like live or whatever if you dipped its head in paint. They just painted kind of a big white dot on the top of the fly's head. Yeah. So it doesn't even look like a um, human head. It's just a white I, dot on top of a fly. This is easy, Hudson. You just take a real fly, paint a little dot, and then color its leg. Yeah, it's pretty silly. It's pretty silly. That, that's just the easy thing to make the fly. Yeah, that's a simple but, effect. You can figure that out yourself. Does, I don't know how they make the head fly in the pinch. The it, stuff that Andre was wearing? No. Like the stuff on Andre? they make the head it was just a mask actually and the mask was actually being worn because sometimes you'd get like a stunt actor or something to wear the mask especially if there's no lines for the character you might get somebody who's just you know just a stand-in for the for that like scientist character but actually the actor david hedison uh was his name is his name he's actually still alive by the way david hedison is still alive as of the time of this recording so if you're listening david hedison you're awesome um but of course vincent price and patricia owens are not uh, David Hedison actually was wearing the mask of the fly. He was actually under that. He wanted to do it himself. So that was a mask, and then they just put kind of a glove on that looks like a fly pincer. That's how they did it. Simple. Really simple effect. It's really simple. You just put a fly mask and put a glove that looks like a fly pencil. That's yeah, how exactly. Yeah. It's just half of him. Yeah, just his, just his arm and his, and his head. Yeah. So, anything else you want to say before we sign off? No, but definitely watch The Fly 1958. It is a classic, right? Yes. So if you want to hit us up on social media, if you got questions, comments, concerns, if you want to find out what other kind of stuff we're doing, look us up on Facebook. We're on Facebook at Cadavercast. That's one word. Uh, You can send us an email, cadavercast at gmail.com. Again, cadavercast, one word. Uh, The only place where it's not one word is on Twitter cadaver underscore cast that's where you'll find us on twitter so any questions about monster movies anything you want to hear alistair talk about throw questions out at us and we can answer them and we can answer them all right man time for you to sign us off this has been Cadavercast. i'm al burnham and i'm his dad jeff burnham we want to thank you for listening thanks everyone <laughs>